in your life, Steve? Oh, look, I'm so ethical. Um, it's not funny. Uh, and I only say that because uh, I my role is changing at work a little bit and part of that progression, that development, um, is that I have to undertake uh, code of ethics training that Ooh. all of the ministry agents at work take um, so that I understand my responsibilities in a pastoral environment and what that looks like and Etc. Etc. I oh, see. See, in, in a corporate environment, uh, that that's referred to as the annual um, sacking sign-off. <laughs> so every year you do your ethics course refresher, and in a big thing there, you say, "I uh, I uh, agree that if I breach any of these standards that are on this long document." That there's a link to, but goodness knows, no one's going to read it. It's just, it's like a Eula for a bloody a piece of software. It's, it's so long. It's like, um, you know, if I breach any of these conditions, that I can be immediately terminated. And, of course, we all have to tick that box sure. every, every year. Um, which, you know, the non-cynical answer to that, of course, is that it is our, our corporate overlords ensuring that... Uh, all the employees uh, you know, behave ethically, uh, but the, the cynical take on it is it means that it's pretty easy to breach you and uh, sack you without having to show cause. Really, beyond the oh, you breached these standards that you didn't really read, even though you know we we offered you the opportunity to read them. So yeah, yeah, it's great. Well, I'm going to guess it's a little bit different in your environment, Stephen. Yeah, a little bit. It's important, certainly for ongoing. For like, I'm not in a ministry placement. I'll say yet. I think that there's moves afoot to make that be a thing. Uh, but right now I'm just a normal nine to five employee working hard, doing his best in a church environment. Um, for those that are ministry agents, this is really important in their, they have to annually revisit and go through this code of ethics training as well as go through safe ministry with children training. Um, as does anybody that works with the children in, in a United Church context, uh, which is really important and absolutely connected to, but not directly related to uh, the um, Royal Commission that took place recently. Um, it, it's the church acknowledging that this is important and we find it so important that this needs to happen. So, uh, so tell, were there any great insights delivered in your um, in your ethics training, Steve? Because I'm, I'm going to guess, like, our ethics training is stuff like uh, when you're shipping something to a foreign country, don't bribe anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess yours is a bit different. Well, they look at lots of different parts to it. Like, is the, the the code of ethics itself is a reasonably long, yeah, you know, seven or eight pages around guidance for people in ministry and in how to act in different situations. Of course, they have to, but the, it has to deal with interesting stuff like um, if you're a minister in a congregation in a church setting and you've got friends uh, that are part of that congregation uh, and they come to you with a, a, a pastoral need that you need to check yourself around. Is this a conflict? Am I going to treat them differently because they're my friend versus any Joe that would come to me with the same kind of pastoral question or, or need? 
Um, there's a course, lots of conversation around relationships and those sorts of things and what's appropriate and what isn't. Um, but then there's also even conversation around, and this was some of the stuff that we talked about and dwelt on, um, I guess you would call them inducements or, or gifts particularly. So as a minister, it's not uncommon for people to want to give you gifts and do nice things for you and that's all fine. But of course, that all has to be 100% above board. Um, and so, you... so hang on. Does that mean you can or you can't accept a HSV? Oh, well, uh, <laughs> in, in that scenario, it would more likely be Certainly the default response is thanks, but no thanks. You know, I, I couldn't. And if it was something that they pressed or, or whatever, then you would find a way to divest the product and turn it into cash that could be used in a congregational setting. So if they gave you a thing that was very expensive, you would say, can we sell this to help this ministry or to help the church um, rather than here personally? But then there's also stuff where people are intentionally caring for you. And I was able to raise... Uh, one that is not an uncommon situation for ministers and one that certainly my father-in-law when he was alive and in ministry faced and that was kind rich couple within the congregation offer you um, their holiday house for a week rent free for you to take your family on holidays is that okay Mm. Mm. and the answer is Uh, yes with asterisks Uh, (laughs) in that uh, the, the consensus broadly was that it needs to be absolutely above board. It needs to be talked about and at least mentioned to your church council chairperson uh, that they need to be aware of it and that it can't be seen to be um, something that influences any decisions that you may or may not make. All right. See, now, now this is the bit that, the, that, um, but that perplexes me, Mark. Yeah. Uh, because usually, you know, obviously um, as I alluded to before in our corporate setting it's all about uh, basically bribery and corruption because yeah there's a lot of cash involved in some of this sort of stuff so what are the particular inducements that that these that your ministry is is supposed to you know steer clear of it like it's not like you can give them a hall pass like like one free entry to heaven like it's <laughs> it's not how it works unless things have dramatically changed since the last time I set foot in a, in a church yeah yeah no well, that, that's exactly right it, you know, it needs to be I mean broadly speaking you're not going to have someone turn up with millions of bucks and say hey uh, can you help us get this mining lease. <laughs> Um, through government, I mean, um, the, the United, I'm pretty sure the Uniting Church would not be on on the uh, the old path of selling indulgences. <laughs> I mean, even no. the even the Catholics barely do that anymore. <laughs> I know what a rip off the Catholics. I think we call um, them papal knighthoods these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's an interesting scenario, oui. and uh, like, I guess the, the situation more than anything is that there's an acknowledgement that as a minister in a, in a church setting, in a congregational setting, that there is still, if, no, if nothing else, a perceived amount of influence that you may or may not have within the community and an actual amount of influence that you will have within your congregation. And that as agents of God and working for, for Jesus in that context, that you need to be beyond reproach around any issues of, oh, but you did that because someone did that nice thing for you or, or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Luke, I, I would love to see the ethics training around some of the uh, prosperity <laughs> churches that we've mentioned well, in the past. There, because... was, 
It's a conversation about that in passing because it was even raised, I think, by the facilitator saying that don't forget any money that you are given for doing your job, i.e. as a minister going and preaching somewhere else, they may have a uh, an honorarium or that sort of stuff, must be declared as taxable income because it is your, because it is your primary source of income. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> So if you are in that scenario where you do travel the world and get given lots of dollars for turning up to speak at a thing, um, that needs to be declared as taxable income, even if earned outside the area in which you are taxed. But they, they, were they, but they weren't telling you that you shouldn't do it because it you know, reeks of uh, <laughs> taking advantage of people. And See, that, that, would, be, that would be my ethics training mm. uh, uh, manual for a Christian church. It would be like, don't do anything that makes anyone think you could potentially be from Hillsong. (laughs) 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 Maybe I have a very different ethical framework that I'm operating from. I don't know. (laughs) Look, I think, honestly, that it's situations where it's not unreasonable for ministers to be asked to preach in other situations, uh, whether it's a conference or at youth camps particularly, or, you know, there's even international stuff, of course, for academics or or for ministers in in a position where they are uh, subject matter experts so they should have that opportunity and it's not unreasonable that they should get paid for that um, the question is how much they get paid for that and what's the context in which they're paid mm, mm. Wait, weighty things Mark weighty things but you're feeling more ethical now that you've, that you've gone oh, through your training so ethical <laughs> like so ethical oh dear how are you Dave oh Stephen Stephen <laughs> I'll just settle back and let you go. No, no look, look, I'm well, I, yeah. I, and and most of the the, the challenges in my life um, are my own fault for <laughs> <laughs> agreeing to do things. I can't imagine how. <laughs> well, I, actually, although they're not, they're not all my own fault, not all my own fault. Like, I, I had had a bit of a stressful time last weekend. Um, I, I went up to to Sydney. Yes. For my my little sister's thirtieth birthday. Great. Uh, well, yes. Well, it, 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 that was the plan. It was supposed to be great, oh, okay. uh, and the party was good fun. So that 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 all went well. There were no dramas there. Mm. But uh, initially, we'd hoped that we might leave the kids here in Albury, like maybe you know, send them to grandparents or maybe um, off to some friends' places or something like that. Um, and through a couple of different reasons, that didn't happen. Yeah. Which meant that instead of flying to Sydney, which is what Rach and I were hoping to do, um, we ended up having to uh, to drive up because uh, it is just <laughs> no. I'm not paying to the kids to come over. It, I mean, see, you you probably don't even realise this. Like regional flights are so expensive. Like I'm aware. Oh God, it is just it is ridiculous. And, and of course, I understand why. And it's all about capacity and demand and all those sorts of things. I, I, I'm not um, going to smaller win- planes. All yeah, stuff. so much stuff. So anyway, so it meant we were driving driving up to Sydney. Well, the decision had already been made that we didn't want to drive up on Saturday. Yes. And then have to go to the party Saturday night. We thought that would be you know, a bit much. So the, the plan was we'll drive up Friday after work. So yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah that's all doable. No worries. But of, of course, given that Albury is um, a long way from Sydney, we're looking at a late night. Yeah. So 
so far, this is all good. This is nothing out of the ordinary, nothing that we haven't done before. We went and started looking for accommodation, and as the kids are getting a bit older now, we prefer to stay somewhere that's got you know, separate bedrooms, mm. uh, just makes travel a lot more pleasant. But of course, with that comes a fairly dramatic increase in in the cost so i was, I was you know, yeah. trying to be trying to be frugal and do the smart thing and do a bit of bargain shopping yeah. and i found um not through like not through airbnb I, I, I looked there first but couldn't sort of find something suitable but i found this place uh two bedroom apartment with parking which again very important on, yeah. on this particular trip yep no worries get in touch with you know good price get in touch with the owners it's uh yep let them know that we were going to be arriving late. Not a drama. There's a lockbox just around the corner. Mm. Keys will be in there. We're all sweet. Yep. So we've had conversations, you know, multiple times via email a- addressing all this. You know, yep, everyone's on the same page. No worries. So we, we head up to uh, head, up, head up to Sydney after work on, on, on Friday uh, cruise into the uh, the inner suburb where our apartment is. Mm. Sort of get there just a bit after midnight. Everyone's still in relatively good humour. You know, kids are a bit tired though. Everyone's starting to get a bit scratchy. Yeah. Wander around the block, find the place where this lockbox is. Perfect. It is exactly where the description said it would be. Easy to find. Yeah. Put the code in. Code. A massive bus coming. Flicks <laughs> open. So everything is working out right until this point. Although what was surprising was that there were no keys in the lockbox. So I'm thinking this, not too bad. I'll just go back to my emails and I'll have a look look through. Surely there will be a phone number in the emails for the owners or for someone. Stephen, there's no email. And at this point, I'll be honest... I'm starting to get a little bit perturbed. <laughs> At this point, the car's up the street with with Rachel and the kids in it, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not going back up there yet. No, no, I'm going to look at the strength of this. I'm going to stand here. So, meanwhile, Rachel and the kids are in the car, obviously, you know, thinking to themselves, I wonder what's taking so long for Dave to just walk down and pick up a key. And I start, uh, you know, racking my brains. And I remembered at that point that... I'd had this really hurried phone call that had come from Sydney at about three o'clock on the Friday afternoon asking me if I was checking in at four and me saying, no, 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 I'm checking in at midnight, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, yep, that's fine. No, we've got that. No worries. And then hung up. Didn't really tell me where they were from. They just sort of said they were like an assistant service for the owners of the place. I thought, this is the only link I have to anything. And I ring back and get through to this, the, a call centre and we start talking through it and they're like oh no yeah the keys are in the lockbox I said yeah uh, the keys are supposed to be in the lockbox yeah I'm standing out of the lockbox I'm lock standing in the lockbox and there are no keys in the lockbox like look can we just talk this through like sure so we walk through and this very helpful person says now are you at such and such address in this street I'm like yes I am okay can you see the roller door for the car park yes I can to the right of that can you see some big like pipe work and plumbing? Yes, I can see that. At ankle height, can you see a lockbox? Yes, I can. Have you put this code in? Yes, I have. Okay, great. No, no, not great. Because I put the code in and the lockbox opens. Yeah, and there's no key in there. But there's supposed to be a key in there. <laughs> like, oh, 
that. You and I are on the same page. We both know that there is supposed to be a key here. The reason I'm calling you, the reason we're having this conversation at now sort of quarter past 12 is that there is not a key there. Oh. I'll call the cleaners. So, so they hang up, call the cleaners for the place, ring back to say, yep, the cleaners were there this afternoon. I'm like, great. That doesn't change the fact that there's no key in the lockbox. They're like, oh, we can't contact the owners. I'm like, great. So, let's just decide that you will give me a refund and I will go and I will find somewhere else to stay because I cannot see a resolution to this any other way. So, here we are, Steve. It is now about 20 to 1 on Friday night. (laughs) We're in the the inner suburbs of Sydney and we have nowhere to stay. And by now, the children who were a bit scratchy before are in almost open revolt (laughs) (laughs) because they are very tired and this is really crappy. So, we we start looking for uh, places nearby and we find somewhere that's got... Uh, two sets of service departments nearby. Great, no worries. There's a phone call on their website. We ring that, and it goes through to a booking service, which is open between nine and five. It's like that's not very helpful. That's not helpful. So they're they're both just sort of a couple of blocks away. So we 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 drive to the first one, wander in, go. Have you got anything available? No. Uh, last one just went like twenty minutes ago. Like great. I say, well, look, while I'm here, can you pull up all the other properties uh, and tell me whether they have any vacancies? And Steve, I admit, maybe I'm the naive one here, but I would have thought that when you have a whole bunch of properties that are co-branded, that there would be at least some level of cooperation between them so you could find out uh, whether there are vacancies at other properties. Mm. It turns out I'm completely wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So so the next step was to, to drive over to the next property, Oh. And ask the same question, and they're like, no, 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 can't help you, can't let you know about anything. So, we're now a bit after one, and I'm just going, right, we are just going to, we're going to try anything in the yeah. CBD, and we're going to forget about family rooms, like, we're going to have two double rooms if we have to, we just need we somewhere need to, to stop. Yeah. Um and we ring one place, and they're like, yeah, 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 we've got some vacancies. I'm like, great, can we book something? And like, oh, no, we don't do that. You'll have to come in. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God, this is not what I want. So anyway, we put the G- we, we put the, the, the address into the GPS, zip into, uh, into the city centre, and when we pull up, across the road from this place is somewhere that's a bit nicer. <laughs> and so I thought, if you're not going to book a room for me, Fuck you, I'm walking in the nicer place and see if they've got a room. And, oh, thank goodness that they actually did. They had one uh, room left with, like, that would sleep four people. Not not a two-bedroom room, unfortunately. But, again, now, now, we're, now we're after one yeah. and we're at the point where nobody cares. <laughs> so, we booked in there and got into our room, like, uh, got into our room at about half past one. Um and thankfully, the kids then just sort of crashed and went to sleep. Yeah. I, of course, was absolutely wired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You've just had a problem solved for like the last, you know, two hours. Uh, and so, I don't know, it was probably a good hour before I actually you know, fell asleep. And um, 
and, and thanks to you know my wonderful body clock and and the fact that I'm usually up exercising in the morning, I was awake again at six. <laughs> so thankfully, I, I did manage to get back to sleep and sort of knocked another hour or so out. But Saturday, let me tell you, I was not a, a bouncy and and smiling person. <laughs> oh, I was and, and, say the rest of that weekend was not great. Oh, it was. I was just exhausted the whole time. And, oh, and to add to this, um, the 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 place that, that we stayed at Friday night didn't have any vacancies for Saturday. So, oh. <laughs> as part of our Saturday plan, we had to find somewhere else to book in and then oh. relocate all our stuff and book into the next place. Oh, oh boy, Stephen, I do not want. <laughs> yeah, all of that just sounds painful. Oh yes, and 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 again, all. All because I was trying to take the frugal option and, and find somewhere that wasn't going to be quite so costly to stay. And I am now thoroughly in the, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not up for this stuff. You know what? I'm, oh, I'm still feeling tired now just thinking about it, Steve. I'm feeling tired just hearing about it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I, 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 I like travel. I enjoy travel. And, you know, I... I, I even you know don't mind dealing with these sorts of unexpected scenarios. I just don't want to be doing it at, at one in the morning when I have my children and my yeah. car to to like add to the add to the bloody Tetris <laughs> mental Tetris of trying to figure out everything. Because if it was you know if we didn't have the kids, well, it, and especially if we didn't have the car, easy to oh. like wander in anywhere. And and yeah. but no, it's. Just, it's painful. Yeah. So more reason to sell the kids. <laughs> exactly. Or, or or get much much better at, at leaving them behind. Well, see, Rachel's parents ended up. Uh, they were in Tasmania that weekend on a, on a jaunt around the the Apple Isle of all of their own, which is why we couldn't leave the kids with them. But maybe what we should do is just leave the kids in future at the grandparents' house. Yep. So that way, if there are any disasters, it's at least your it's. House. it's, it's <laughs> That's my theory. Oh. Dave, we're at an interesting position <sighs> with our kids, right? Because like they're they're not old enough to actually be adults or adult enough to leave alone for that kind of thing. Like we're going away overnight. You know, we can leave you here and you're responsible and you can get to things and, and all of that sort of stuff. Yep. Yeah, you, we're, we're still at the, we can go out and go out late and yes. leave you to put yourself to bed. But the whole, yeah, we're going to be away, like, for a whole 24 hours is still well no, outside the comfort yeah, zone. Yeah. yeah. So in that context, like, they're, they're too old. Like, you pay, you, you get, you have to pay for them like they're adults. Yeah. yeah. You know, flights, accommodation, restaurants, you know, like, they're certainly not that, I mean, we've managed to broaden uh, Mr. Nearly 13's palate somewhat. Uh, however, his go-to staple is still, reasonably speaking, nuggets and chips. Well, see, um, see, you shouldn't complain about that too much because at least you can buy that off the kids' menu. <laughs> like... Yeah, but he's old enough now that uh, he needs two servings. Uh, oh, no, fair enough. <laughs> no, it's not a... Like, yes, you can get off the kids' menu, but we'd like two of them. But you only have... Yes, we know. Uh, no, well, see, uh, whereas uh, Rupert's uh, go-to is uh, a chicken palmy. Nice. Uh, which is great, uh, but it's also something that can 
costs anywhere between sixteen and thirty bucks, depending on <laughs> where you're showing up. Like, and and be the size of a normal chicken breast or <laughs> the size of your head. Uh, look, look uh, it's it's this horrible feeling when all of a sudden you realise that uh, you're just not going to get away from like a meal with your kids for under a hundred bucks when you're traveling anywhere anymore. Yeah. Like, no, that's it. And that's, that's a night out for us. Like if we go to <laughs> hog's breath is a fairly easy staple or, or, you know, Lone Star or, you know, some kind of not, you know, coffee, you know, like coffee shopish vibe, like some actual restaurant. Yep. Yep. If we do that, yeah, you know, it's a hundred bucks in the shade. Yeah. <laughs> easy. And so again, that, that, that's the, that, that also, adds to the oh don't want us with the travel because you sort of yeah. go like you know if it's just the two of us a hundred dollar meal means we've had it you know a, a decent a, bottle a, we've a, had a, a pretty time. nice time yeah. <laughs> when it's with the kids it's like we have just gone bare basics yeah. and, and you know that I don't say that as like a you know they're stopping us from having fun and that it's just the increasing oh, cost god I do <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely stopping us from having fun <laughs> Well, yeah, fun. Multiple funds. You're you're nicer to your kids than I am, Stephen. I've always said that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, there's elements where it's like, you know, I just... (sighs) Things would be so easy if it was just me and Michelle, right? Kids, I love my kids. I want to see them go on to great things and they're wonderful young people now. Um can't they just can't they just go like oh we were I was at my kids school <laughs> yeah. held a um uh, uh speaking event where Michael Carr Gregg uh renowned child psychologist came to speak not only to the teachers but then did a parents night that evening mm-hmm. and because that's right in my wheelhouse for work and I'm a concerned parent I went along I figured I'll have a look and see how this goes now it was a great presentation from the get-go I'm very analytical about people who present Particularly if I find that I'm ab- if I'm absolutely not engaged in the content, I will start tearing you apart in the way that you present. This is this doesn't sound like it's heading in a great direction, Mark. Well, well it, initially he nearly lost me. Um, the first ten minutes, it was very clear he just pressed go on his pre-written joke-filled uh, presentation. Right. However, he started to get into the meat, and I went, actually, yes, he has done this a million times. However, it is peppered with jokes, which he just tosses out and knows when to pause for the laughs. Uh, and but it's it's reasonably good. Um, his presentation to presentation style is very affable. There's elements of self-deprecation. Uh, there is um, you know how some presenters when they talk about their partner will elevate them and they'll put themselves down, and that's funny in itself. And mm-hmm. there's some that elevate themselves and talk about. Um, you know, she who must be obeyed who doesn't know what she's talking about, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's more of the latter, uh, but particularly in relation to their uh, genetics and how their two sons um, have become what they are. And like, he takes credit for all hang, the good things, on, and anything that's wrong, it's her fault. Did you say you went to see Michael Carr Greg or Donald Trump? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> because... But, well, let me tell you, the content was significantly different when we got down to Tin Tacks. Um, <laughs> right. But it, it, it was funny. It, it was done very clearly in a humorous way, and he did speak very lovingly and glowingly about his wife. And when they, I think he showed a picture of them when they were going out or got married, 
And he went, um, she's as beautiful as ever and look at what's happened to me. Like there was those kinds of kickers as well. So he knew it wasn't totally a beat up on his wife. Um, <laughs> but the stuff that he talked about around kids and social media and growing up healthy, resilient young kids, really, really great. The thing that struck me more than anything was that the PowerPoint that accompanied his presentation was the most slipshod, poorly put together, horrific piece of content I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, he's very clearly just trolled through the internet and grabbed funny ha-ha, you know, single-frame cartoons that emphasise his point or those sorts of things. The size of text was inconsistent across many of his slides. Some slides he had barely anything, others he had too much on. It's almost like I, feel I needed to say, Michael, love your work, love what you do. Can you just pay me a couple of thousand bucks and I will fix your PowerPoint slides so they are the best thing you have ever seen? Because right now they're shithouse. <laughs> it just uh. was disturbing. Like, it was great. And I saw his stuff and I get, oh, well, you know, there's some things that I'll incorporate into what I do and reference you know, him in delivering that. Um, Totally worthwhile if you know if you got the chance or anyone got the chance to go and hear him speak. He's good value more than obviously his talking head sunrise stuff, which was in part all I was expecting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just the presentation, the, the PowerPoint was to me very distracting because it was so so amateur compared to a man who has eight degrees and knows his stuff inside out and is a practicing clinical child psychologist and is able to answer just about anything on the fly. Well, see, let, let, let's be honest, though. Like, you know, presentation is a skill, and it's not one that many people learn. Sure, but he's got the show. He can deliver the stuff. He's all about, you know, he can talk the talk, and he presents himself well and, and delivers an engaging presentation. But the accompanying PowerPoint, I almost would have said, cut it out of your, your show. Just don't use it. It's horrible. See, as someone who gets exposed to a lot of corporate PowerPoint, <laughs> oh, yes. actually, let me let me tell you how how we get exposed to corporate PowerPoint too. Almost all of our meetings are done using like uh, Skype for Business, which yes. used to be which used to be called Link, which used to be called something else, which used to be called something else. Yeah, the, like the Microsoft thing. So, of course, all the presentations and whatnot are you know, are, are presented via that now. Theoretically, theoretically, what you can do is you can upload your presentation to uh, to Skype for Business, and then it will you know, put it out on everyone's screens. Yeah, I have never seen someone do that, and I don't know if it's because it doesn't work or it's too hard or whatever. Instead, what we get is we get people sharing their desktop and then just oh. running through the PowerPoint oh. on their own desktop. No, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I can tell you that it does work. I have used it before. <laughs> It's very reliable. It works very well. Oh, so and, and we're, I'm looking at you know stuff where we have everyone has to use their corporate templates and stuff. So stuff yep. is is almost all identical, and yet and yet we still get uh, pages full of something. Someone has copied and pasted out of a SharePoint no, 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 with no, the no. resultant formatting not changed one iota. <laughs> Or, or to the other extreme, someone who's taken a screenshot of a SharePoint and put that in a slide and then sent that to you so that you cannot copy and paste that data. <laughs> I hate PowerPoint. I just hate... I hate... 
I hate corporate communications altogether. Can't we? Can we just send each other text documents? That'd be, that'd be <laughs> just like plain text. Well, this is the thing. In, in the broadest situation, <sighs> yes, that's all you need to do. If you're deliberate, like in a, in a in a meeting where there's five, twenty, fifty of us, in in particularly in that teleconference scenario, um, yeah, just keep it as a text document. So um, much of my stuff is. <laughs> but, and that's all it needs to be. If you're standing up in front of, you know, 250 even, but certainly 200, 2,000 people, you've got to bring the show. You've got to bring a well-formed, you know, uh, good-looking PowerPoint that accompanies the, hopefully, meaty content that you're delivering. Oh, no, see, again, almost all the stuff that I see is from the corporate world of, let me put everything I need to say on this PowerPoint slide because I will send that to you later as a a reference document and seeing as it's all there, I might as well just read it to you. (laughs) Oh, Stephen. It's it's, it's painful. Like, like, surely, like, Oh, if you want to be doing any kind of presentation, you should have to do like an intensive course on how not to be shit at PowerPoint. Oh, you don't know the amount of times I have wanted to sit executives in the business that I work with down and say, right, guys, here's what you need to know. Now, I work working in a church that has, you know, the, the statewide office of a church. We have a comms team that thankfully, at the moment, there is a legacy where, you know, presentations that the moderator, who's considered to be the visible, you know, head of the church for the state, um, uh, or, you know, our general secretary, anyone that does anything in that, there's a corporate template, and comms will go through it with you and help you make it look good. Because that is their job, because they are concerned about us communicating a message clearly and how things work and all of that sort of stuff. Internally, it's a freaking cowboy show. <laughs> I have been subjected to presentations here from people that should absolutely know better. That are, here is all the words that I'm saying to you and I will read every one of them out to oh, you. No, that. just send me the presentation and then ask me if I've got any questions. Don't, just don't bother. Oh, oh, see, it's diabolical. And, and it, like, at the very least for someone like that, you, you, should, you should find a not too long, like, presentation from like when Steve Jobs was still at Apple and go look here's how you do a presentation see how there's like stuff on the slides yep. and it's and it's related to what he's saying yep. but it's not what he's saying but no. it's still useful yeah, that think of it like headlines and topics and very that. few words <laughs> yeah images use images well <laughs> and and I'm going to stick my neck out here and do my ethical thing use images well that you're allowed to use don't just surf through the internet and grab whatever image you think looks great and steal that. Like, subscribe to uh, a, 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 um, um, an image um, like Getty Images or those sorts of things. Or use a, an intentionally developed free image sharing site like Unsplash or Pixabay. Um, or even better, pay a photographer to go out and get a series of shots that fit with what you're trying to say so that you then have original content that you can use that people don't go, I've seen that shot 70 times uh, in presentations because we're all talking about the same thing and when you look up that word on Google, that's the picture that comes up as (laughs) number one that everyone grabs. 
Oh, it's oh, the worst, isn't it? Ju- it just kills me. Like I've said, I've been through a few tech eds and I've been to enough technical presentations to know that there is some money and time to invested to make your presentation look whiz bang. And we're talking about more than just PowerPoint, right? Because we're talking about multi-projector back screen dealios where your image can't just be 1920 by 1080. <laughs> like it has to be uh, a, a, an oversized elongated landscape f- series of photos because you want it to look good because they you, want you, do. you to be the star with the content that you deliver not a distraction of going why does that woman have three hands <laughs> what's the photoshop going wrong here uh yeah hey look, look I, I i know we're having a bit of fun on this one but Something I remembered before when you were talking about the 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 cost of kids. Now, last time we spoke, yes, had Rupert fractured his elbow or not? No, what's going on? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so you were a teenage boy at one stage, Mulk. I'm sure I was. <laughs> you, so it would come as no surprise if I made the sweeping statement to you that. Teenage boys are pretty fucking stupid. Dave, allow me to place that in the understatements and generalizations of the year. So, in this particular instance, uh, what my uh, wonderful son decided to do uh, while he was playing tennis at school sport was that it would be fun to hurdle the tennis net. Now, sure, which now, winners are wanted to do. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I, I I doubt greatly that he had actually won anything because in previous conversations with him, he, he revealed to me that it turned out tennis was a lot harder than he'd realised because that whole getting it inside the lines thing can be rather difficult when Ooh. when your aim was to just go there and smash the ball as hard as you possibly could, thinking that that would make you a, and I quote, really good tennis player. So proud. I'm so proud. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, uh, so the, the chances of him actually having won anything are, are fairly slim. But on his first attempt to uh, jump the net, he cleared it. And it was pointed out to him by some of his friends that he only just cleared it. Like there was, he, yeah. his toes just about tagged the uh, the top rope on the net. Uh, but the, but he at this point was you know pretty uh, pretty happy with himself. Going, oh, I can jump the net. Yep. So, Did so it when, once must so, be able to do it again. So when someone else came along, disbelieving that that he had managed to uh, to jump the net. His response was, of course, here, let me show you. <laughs> Attempt number two, not so good. Uh, yeah, feet caught in the net, uh, face plant with arms outstretched, uh, pa- potentially a little bit of dislocation of the elbow, Ooh, yep. but certainly a fracture. Ooh. So, got the call, <laughs> please come bring, pick Rupert up from school. Uh, by now, Rupert is on a first-name basis with the ladies who look after the first aid bay. <laughs> like, Not just for this incident. Oh, no, no. We worked yeah. it out the other day. So, again, he's been at his new high school since you know February last year. Yep. Uh, he has been to the sick bay for injuries, not oh, for, oh, I feel sick, yeah, yeah, no. for injuries seven separate times. <laughs> 
And of those seven times, I think five or six of them have been phone calls home to, can you come and pick Rupert up? (laughs) He cannot continue at school. So this time, up, x-rays. So fracture, he's had a bit of physio and all that sort of stuff. Uh, So that's been a bit of a drag. Um, And... He only realised the gravity of that when we started getting emails in the last couple of weeks for uh, rep hockey trials, which are coming up in the next couple of weeks. And he's realised it's a bit hard to try out for oh. the rep team when your elbow doesn't work. Oh, right. Mm. So we're, we're now on in this sort of race where uh, the, the trials will be inside the time when he's been told no sport. Oh. But we're wondering whether we can maybe get away with... But of course, the other problem is, you know, the trials will be, you know, even if he's fit to trial, he won't have actually done any, you know, practice in the lead up for the last, you know, yep. six plus he'll months. He'll be fine, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Just go so, out there and jump the net and he'll be all right. Yeah, so so there's that. So so that's just the, you know, kids cramp your style. <laughs> but in terms of kids cost you a fortune, <laughs> the other thing, Steve, <sighs> braces. Oh, yep. Keep talking. Oh. Every every orifice I have is clenching. <laughs> so, and, and, but not just braces. Part Lisa of the reason, needs braces. Lisa <laughs> needs braces. Part of the reason he needs braces is because one of his like adult teeth hasn't come down. It's still stuck up somewhere in his <gasps> gum. <laughs> Are you sure he's your child and not mine? Because <laughs> guess what? You know how I've got that big walking fang that hangs out the front of my face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my problem. Oh, wow. I lost my two front teeth sort of one at a time. Mm-hmm. One adult tooth came in fine. The second one did not. Like, for 18 months it sat up there. In the end, mum and dad took me to a dentist and they went, oh, yeah, we'll probably need to help that come down. Um, and all they did was basically give me a local, a nick in the gum, and out came the tooth. But because it had kind of fully formed and was doing things... Oh, no, sorry, it wasn't just that. They had to get up there, though, when they took an X-ray... I had extra eye teeth oh! that had grown parallel to my jawline in the top of my jaw that was stopping it coming it down. So they had to, I had to go and be put under. They took them out and basically made sure that the tooth came clear of the gum and it, they said it will come through fine. But the problem was because the other teeth had kind of settled in, there wasn't room for this one to sit normally and it had developed a little bit differently. So it kind of has a slight overbite on the on my other main front tooth right so and the option was of course that the dentist said well you could put braces on it and the first thing my mum did was look at me and said you don't want them do you <laughs> and I, went, I don't care i think it's pretty clear who, who did or didn't want them <laughs> oh yeah no there was uh, well to be frank there was no way my parents were affording it <sighs> so you, tell your I, story tell i can un- I, I can understand that because yes so very, very similar story. The uh, the orthodontist has said, yeah, you're going to need braces to make a gap for that. And then we're going to have to go to the oral surgeon who will you know, reveal it because the thing's gone sideways and not funny angles. And, and this is a bit that sounds worse to, the worst to me. So when the oral surgeon gets in there and, um, and, and makes a, a hole in his gum so that they can get this tooth down, he's going to like glue a piece of chain to it which will then be attached to the braces so they can pull it down bit by bit and I'm just like I'm glad that I'm only paying for it because I'm only getting one half of the pain it is gonna suck and 
Uh, one thing that uh, made me say that he is definitely my um, my son, Mark, is he's got the same weird, crappy, impacted wisdom teeth that I I had. Yeah, right. Uh, so they're going to be. Pu- they're going to be pulling those out at the same time. So <laughs> he is in for an utter world of hurt uh, physically, uh, and I am in for an utter world of hurt financially. I think the whole, yeah. I think it's going to come to about $14,000 more. Oh, this, I, I'm so torn up about the state of uh, Medicare and the lack of dental care in Medicare. It just, I am just gobsmacked, honestly, that. Oh, look, we have Medicare, and I understand that we also have private health insurance and the inducements to oh, get people oh, to do that. And, and let me let, let me tell you, the private health insurance people was like, yeah, we have a lifetime cap of $2,500 in orthodontic work. <laughs> so I know, but there's <laughs> so, all of that, right? Oh. But this is what burns me. If, if, for example, and let's be frank, I'm absolutely racing towards a heart attack at some point in my life. If I have a heart attack, Someone calls a hospital, an ambulance, oh, sorry, calls the, the emergency services, an ambulance turns up, transports me to a hospital, I get whatever procedure I need to assist me in the immediate term, and then ongoing care to help me prolong my life around that issue. If I break a leg, same thing happens. If I have a car accident, same thing happens. If I front up at the doctor and say, I'm feeling unwell. They give me a script for some drugs and I get sorted out. And I might have to pay a little bit, blah, 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 but there's a Medicare ops offset and all that sort of thing. I totally get it. If I front up to a dentist and say, hey, doc, I'd like you just to check that everything's okay, it is like I have bent over and pulled my cheeks apart. <laughs> they, Because it's never... Like, I don't go that often, I, I acknowledge. Every time they're like, oh, you'll need that fixed, that's got to get changed, you'll need this, what about this, have you thought about adult braces, blah, blah, blah. No, just clean the bastards and make sure I'm okay. Well, so that I can get through until next time I need to see you. This is why, unfortunately, my mouth is a disaster zone because mm. uh, you know, we went for oh, before you know, before the kids were born and when the kids were were young. Um, I just didn't go to the dentist for years, just because I just didn't have the spare cash. Like, it was just like, there's not much we can do right now, so let's just, mm. you know, off we go. Like, I, I really didn't go to the dentist until there was actual pain. And even then, it, like, it was often a case of, well, once that goes away, that that's as good as things are going to get. So that this is what happened with, with my wisdom teeth. Um, at, at one point, like, they were causing a bit of pain back there as they're coming through. Um and then, so the dentist said, yeah, yeah, look, they're not causing any drama now, but eventually they are going to cause some problems with the rest of your teeth and you'll need to get them out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and we just didn't have the cash. I was like, well, they've stopped hurting now. I'll, I'll just deal with it. Until eventually I got to the point where they were just monstrously painful, monstrously painful. Yep. Um, finally went and got, yep, going to have to get those out. Oh, by the way, the pain isn't coming from the wisdom teeth because they've gone sideways into the molar in front of them and created a gap where you can't clean your teeth, there's a whole bunch of decay in there. That tooth is going to have to come out as well. So you're losing two for the price of one. Well, actually not for the price of one because they charged extra for that one as well. So on one side of my mouth, I actually like have missing molars um, because of all the damage my, my wisdom teeth did. And it's all because they didn't come through until I was in my early 20s when I was poor. <laughs> 
relatively speaking. Yep. Uh, and just yeah, did not have money for it. So I I know I understand your your angst. And this was the conversation that we had with Rupert around yep. when they said, "Oh, you're gonna need braces," and he's like, "Oh no, no, no I don't want that." And I'm just like, "Oh yes, you do." Because let yeah, me tell yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> if you the don't, options are not great. If you don't sort this out now, what is going to happen is it's going to cost you a fortune later. And in the meantime, you which are we're pro- fine with, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And in the meantime, you're probably going to have some other disasters prop up. Uh, and I can tell you now firsthand, you do not want that. And no steak for you. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Malk. It's, it's, <laughs> it's parenting caper. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty diabolical, isn't it? Oh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so, so that, uh, along with you know, being busier at work, that that's my life at the moment. I'm, I'm at a... I was lamenting this morning with somebody at work um, where if it was just me, i.e. no wife and kids, I would have already pulled the pin on this. It wouldn't be a question. <laughs> um, but because I am, A, a caring father, B, uh, I am aware of the budget in our house, and C... I can kind of may help it limp along until the end. Um, my home PC TV recording thing unit system. Oh needs yes, some, needs the, some love. The, the 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 horrendous monstrosity that you use to watch television at like accelerated speeds, like a eleven times faster than everyone else. That's right. <laughs> You're um, a monster. Um, it, it needs some love at, at the very least. Um, I'm probably at the point where I need to... Because I, I have a history of building my own PCs, both as interesting because I'm a walking great nerd, and it's ultimately cheaper, yeah, and you get what you want. Um, I, I probably need to replace the motherboard, um, new video card, new TV tuner card, which will mean new RAM, um, additional hard disks. I can probably keep what's there, though I should upgrade the SSD that is my C drive so it's a bit bigger. Um, all of those sorts of things, right? Um, plus, the TV monitor that I use is going through uh, some issues where when you turn it on, only half of the screen displays. The other half is kind of blacked out or kind of fades black. But- Listen, given the amount of, um, of bad reality TV that you watch, mm. that might be a blessing. It's protesting. <laughs> um but if I give it five minutes, it kind of warms in, if that makes sense. So kind of <laughs> I was going to say, what is, is it like a valve set from no, the 1940s? What, this is the problem. This is why I'm going, someday this is just going to turn on, be black, and stay black. Oh, jeez. Um, but for the moment, it warms in. Now, I've, I've priced my replacement. <laughs> That's not what electronics are supposed I know, to do. I know. But it works. This is the thing. And it's been like that for nearly 12 months. You use the term works very loosely in your household, it seems. (laughs) But this is where it plays into the, I care about my family and I know our budget and it's not a priority. Yeah, yeah. 600 bucks to buy the new smart TV that will sit on my desk that absolutely is a tax deduction that will be the monitor for my computer and all that stuff. Great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that coupled with the other things, we're talking about 1600, maybe 1700 bucks. Again, all a tax deduction. We just have to get the money and do it. Now, there's a little bit of money coming our way that will allow me to do that without impacting anybody or anything else. So it, it is a thing that we can do. Um, however, I'm also at the point where I went, I kind of don't know how wedded I am to all of this. 
like because it's always been the PC because that when I started that was my bread and butter and now it's like but I'm not I'm not that guy mm-hmm. so given that I live in a Mac land otherwise do I just you know bite the bite the bullet and buy an iMac and put that on my desk instead um, and not, go about not for seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> no, that's the thing. The difference is that it's like twenty seven hundred dollars. Mm. You know, is that that price versus the rebuild my computer price? Um, so there's that, right? There's that as a as a thing. Um, and I would probably need extra external storage or something else put into it. Blah blah blah. Um, so it even gets higher than that. So, but that's my scenario and I just kind of went I should oh no but if I nah if then nah nah so I think I'll just bite the bullet on the other thing and get the monitor and wait until other things start to fail and worry about them then because that can be all dragged out right I don't have to do all of that at once whereas if we go with a Mac you're doing everything at once this is Um, true and it also locks in your uh, progression you know like I can't then go um Oh, I'll just, I need to go and get a new processor for my Mac. No, like that's not an easy thing to do. Um, yes, somewhat hard disks are uh, user upgradable if you have some knowledge and can follow YouTube videos. Same with RAM, but that's about the, the bulk of it. Yeah, well, I, well I, I, I think I've hit that point where um, uh, the, the idea of upgrading stuff it's just, ugh. It's oh, yeah. But but th- 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 the then thing. again, I was going to say, then again, I, I have like a screwdriver in my hand pulling things to pieces every day. So that like yep. the novelty of it is a long worn off for me. And, so and that's it, right? There's I'm not no the standard use there case. <laughs> and in part, when I have to go looking for what I want, I kind of fall down a rabbit hole. I need to re-educate myself about all of this again because I'm not, I don't have my head in it every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would need to go, right, if I get this motherboard, what's this implication? How does this, what do I need? What specific RAM? What's the RAM? What I don't want to spend millions of dollars on RAM, but I want to get lots of RAM. So which is the best RAM to get? That limits my motherboard choices, all, all of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's... <sighs> I know what I need to do, and I could probably even just wait until the thing totally packs it in. Um as far as at least the screen goes, because like I said, it's been doing this for 12 months. Um, it initially started with just a line across the screen, and now it's like this whole half the screen goes black, but air quotes, warms in. Um, <laughs> that's not how electronics work. <laughs> I know that's not how electronics work, but that's what happens. That's the best way I can describe it to you, Dave. Um, oh, dear. So it's it's that. And then I had a, a like a bit of an argument with Michelle the other day, unrelated to this but I have to go to Maryborough oh that's right I haven't told you this story <laughs> this I'm is not sounding sure very, if we have time this is sounding um, very conspiratorial <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make time <laughs> there, back when the Brisbane floods were on mm-hmm. um, uh, the second time uh, I got connected very quickly briefly to a UK um, company that specialise in connecting media organisations with people on the ground. Um, so you were the talent, kind you, of. You were that. Hey, I'm Steve Mock, and I've got wet feet for for someone in the UK. It was actually for someone in Canada. Oh, <laughs> so a, a Canadian television company. I I did a phoner for them. Yep. talking about the floods and the impact. Right. Um, 
but you know they, they also find jobs for you as a fixer. So when overseas media companies come to town, they go, "You're a local guy. You know how TV works. Help us find the spot. Connect us with the people." All of those sorts of things, right? Right. Okay. That's it. So that that, that, that sounds like that'd be right in your wheelhouse. I've only ever been paid for one gig by them, and that was that one with Canadian television. <laughs> and I've consistently right. got emails from them about just different things, broad, you know, updating emails, and I've kind of gone, oh, I probably should just unsubscribe from this, get out of it, because they're not giving me anything, nothing's happening. Hmm. Then out of the blue, uh, a month and a bit ago, I get an email from the guy that runs it and said, hey, we've got this opportunity. It's not directly media-related, but you're a guy in the town that they've got things to do, so... Maybe you could help us. I went, okay. He said, there's a company in France that the way he described it to me are an insurance company that work with investors that are looking to invest in predominantly medical companies. Um, And what they do is they basically do a lot of the groundwork for those investors to confirm that the public stuff that these companies purport are actually the things. Mainly this is their premises and where they live and this is what they look like and this is the security they have and all of those sorts of things. Right, so okay. that the investors yep. know what they're dropping money on. But they do it discreetly. You know, They don't walk up, knock on the front door and say, hi, I'm here from such and such. I'm here to check your security systems. It's all done you know, a little bit on the sly. You write a report, you send it in and they then use it for their customers. Right. Okay, now I get that. I get it. Now, it... it um, Okay, sounds all right. Sounds not unreasonable. 160 euros per visit. That's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Oh, I'm happy to do it. Sure. And most of the places uh, were around Brisbane. There was a couple down the Gold Coast, but they were easy enough to get to. Just a bit of time to go and do it. Um, so I signed up. and said, right, now you'll hear from this person. Uh, I think her name is Olga, uh, who is a Russian lady who is in charge of this department and lives in Paris. Uh, she will want to Skype with you to have a conversation, make sure that you're okay with it, that you're competent, you'll do what they need them to do. And uh, if she's okay, then we'll be able to do the engagement. You can go and do it. Sure. Right, okay. No, this all sounds straightforward so far. A bit, you know, a bit of, bit of, bit of uh, you know, work on the side. Yeah, oh, and I'm totally wrong, down with that. Nothing wrong with that. You're a, you're yeah. a hard-working dude. Yeah, 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 totally. And the, the interesting thing around that is that I then uh, have this Skype with this person and <laughs> you know, she introduces herself, a reasonably thick Russian accent, um, as, as I said, living in Paris. Um, so she sort of had, would drop some French words in occasionally and then apologise because she recognised that I only spoke English. Uh, but she introduces herself, hi, and then when she starts to talk about it, the first thing she says, now I want you to know we are not spy. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> but instead, because she, because she's Russian, it, it came across even more. It was like, well, you must know, we are not spy. It was oh, Dave, I was having conniptions, holding it in because all I wanted to do was just laugh out loud. I thought it was hilarious. She talked me through the process, blah blah blah. Mm. So I'm going to do that. And I went and did that first round and they were very happy with the work so much so that they came back and said, hey, here's a second round of um, addresses we want you, companies we want you to go and suss out. Same thing. Uh, and by the way, one of them's in Maryborough. Uh, I went, okay. And I had a look. I went, um, 
uh, said back to the guy who manages the engagement, I said, that's like an eight-hour round trip for what is ultimately a half-an-hour visit of me taking some photos, writing some stuff up, and leaving. Um, while I acknowledge that I'm happy to do all of the others, including a couple on the Sunshine Coast, can we negotiate a different rate for just that one? Uh, and I'll do the others at the previous rate, and that's all fine. And he went, oh, he said this so quickly, Dave, I should have pushed him for more. He said, how about we just make all of them 200 euros and you do the Maryborough one as a part of it? And I went, oh, okay. Like, I'm an idiot. I'm horrible at negotiating sometimes, and other times I'm great. Um, so that's going to mean some nice money to go into the holiday coffers, mm-hmm. but I have to go to Maryborough in the next couple of weeks for a half an hour. Um, and what? be a super secret not spy take mm. some photos write some stuff and get out of there um, it doesn't hurt going on Saturdays to do it because obviously you're going to get less questions asked about you when you turn up and are taking photos out of your car or sitting there with your laptop writing stuff than if you turned up on a Wednesday at lunchtime um, so that works to my favour but so I said to Michelle hey how about we make a little bit of a thing we've got a really short window let's do it Easter weekend leave Thursday night after school Friday, let's do it. Saturday, come home because I've got stuff on Sunday and then Monday together and I'm back to work on Tuesday and they're all on school holidays then. Um, and we kind of went through this frustrating conversation where, like, can't we just go and have, like, just a good time, just relax, spend a little bit more because we're going to have some money coming in to validate us staying somewhere nice and not somewhere crappy. Um and we just we got frustrated with each other because we really weren't hearing each other. Michelle was like, "But do we want to? Do we need to spend the money for what is ultimately two nights and one day of us not really doing much?" And I'm like, "Well, what happens when you go to a resort anyway? You go and you don't want to do anything. You just want to go to the pool and hang out and do stuff, and that's it. Uh, and that's all. This would be a really short break. Blah blah. We've worked it out. It's okay. But it was just it was just that frustration of I just want to do something nice with some of this money that has fallen in our lap." so that we can enjoy it a little bit rather than I drive up there and stay at an $80 flea bag and then come back the next day. That's which is ultimately what it would be. Or I do it in one day and I just drink 80 bucks worth of V <laughs> so, so that I don't fall asleep in the car. Um, yeah. yeah, Completely so normal stuff. Like it's, it's just normal. And like I said, we've worked it out. It's fine. But it, it got me to thinking on a couple of levels. One, I'm not spy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Two, the issue around that was in part the cost because we were talking about it. It's like, well, if we go, I don't want it to be a room that sleeps four of us. I'd really like it at best to, you know, sorry, at worst to be adjoining rooms. Yep, yep. um, So that we can have a space and they can have a space or ideally uh, like a suite where there's two bedrooms that can be be shut off to a common lounge kind of space, which I know in... Resort and, and hotel things just racks up the price. Um, but, and it's Easter, right? So already the price is up and no one wants to reach your place for two nights. So there's all of those sorts of things. Um, I think what's going to happen is that we're just going to bank the cash or I'm going to buy a new monitor and <laughs> I'm going to do a day trip to Maryborough on Good Friday. Um, is where I think that's going to end up. Um, but it's... It was just a her, but it did get me thinking, apart from all of those things, about us planning 2019 mm-hmm. holiday road, hashtag Gork Roger Malkinton, get out of town. Ooh, I like the sound of that. 
I, I do like the sound of it because because two thousand eighteen is already pretty full in our calendar, yeah. which, which see, it seems insane because it's only March. But I yes, know. no, two thousand nineteen. All right, we're, we're, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, there's a there's a few questions because if I look to my family's desires as far as holidays go, mm-hmm. I want to take my family to the states. Like that's my mecca. That is yeah. my spiritual yep. home. That's not going to happen. Not next year. It could happen down the track, but certainly not happening in two thousand nineteen. There was some talk as a family of either Great Barrier Reef, go and see it before it's not a thing. Um, <laughs> but but how, do you, how do you pick which bit's actually good anymore? Like ah, this... well, Dave, you've come to the right place. Firstly, I am not spy. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, I have, I've taken a keen interest in the Great Barrier Reef ever since I was a young lad. So there's lots of good places that you can still go. However, it comes down to how you want to do those places. Because you can go and do it reasonably on the cheap, or you can go and do it and spend all of the money. Mm. And we'd be looking for somewhere in between. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: the great when I, when I think Great Barrier Reef, as well as thinking you know pretty things underwater to go and snorkel around. Yes, which there I, are. I also think that's a long way to drive. <laughs> yes. Well. I romanticise it somewhat because when, between my grade five ending and grade six starting, we moved from Dolby in Western Queensland to the Sunshine Coast. Mm -hmm. And over that Christmas New Year period, my parents and me, the four kids, all of us, were in the little Nissan vanette with a trailer behind us. We drove up to Cairns and back and camped most of the way, but had like a a five-week amazing big uh, barrier reef experience, and, and that, that, see that, that that does sound appealing to me in terms of like the, the timing. But isn't uh, isn't just January so appallingly hot in that part of the world that it's it's not very pleasant? Look, broadly speaking, that's not the the key holiday time. <laughs> no, I didn't up in think North so. Queensland. But we did it because that was changing between school year. Yep, and we could do it at length. And look, mm-hmm. while it can be quite hot, it's there's ways to make that palatable. Um. Certainly, you get a nice, in that context, we've got nice campsites near the beach. You get a nice afternoon ocean breeze. It's pretty great. Um, and when you're a kid, you just get told to shut up if you complain about it. <laughs> so you kind of just park that in the, I don't remember saying that, but I'm sure I did many, many times. Um, over the course of that holiday, I think, I know we stayed in Townsville at my dad's sister's place with their family for Christmas. Um, but there was probably only one other time that we stayed in a hotel. Like, everything else was us setting up Canvas and doing that. And, look, it was... Honestly, it was 20, more than 25 years ago. It was ages ago. But, gee, it was fun. Now, I say that, and there is no way that that's the holiday I'm talking about to you. <laughs> right? That's not it. Right. So, it's either, right. it was either a Great Barrier Reef holiday, which was more than likely going to be fly to place... Airbnb or hotel, mm-hmm. do lots of things in that space around the areas and things, and then come home. Or Fiji slash Cook Islands slash Pacific. Ooh. Now, again, all options, but they obviously need to be saved for and negotiated and agreed upon that we're all <laughs> going to take part in this. Well, well okay, so... Here's what I'm thinking, because in October this year... And I haven't talked about this with my wife, oh, other than... No, no, other than I've said that we need to have a holiday, but we are saving for a holiday, and when she hears this, I know I'll then have a conversation with my wife about it. 
Look, Michelle would love to spend a holiday with us. I'm sure Absolutely. of it. <laughs> so Guaranteed. So here's the thing. Yep. We are taking the kids to Cambodia in October, October this year. So I'm thinking that if we were to do, as you suggested, something like Fiji or the Cook Islands, mm. so we could show them that there are places overseas that you can travel to <laughs> that aren't quite like Cambodia. Yep. <laughs> that, I think my kids would be really on board for that, to be quite honest, because they will not be living the resort lifestyle in Phnom Penh, let me tell you. Copy that. <laughs> they will be seeing the, look, not everywhere that you go in the world has the level of facilities that we have in our little country town. Yes. Aren't you thankful? <laughs> yeah, this is the great surprise. This is how the world works stuff. Yeah, that too. Actually, the, the big conversation we're having at the moment is um, whether or not to take the kids along to see some of the historical places like um, the, Genes- oh, the Genocide yeah. Museum and, wow. and and stuff like that. And Rach is pretty much in the, I don't think uh, Callie especially is Ready emotionally for prepared for that. Yeah. Um, and I think she's right. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I, I also having seen it, I'm going, but that's like part of like... That, that is part of what explains the story of why the country is in the state that it's in. And like that that's just such an important thing to understand so that when you're going around and you're seeing uh, the country, you, 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 like, you're thinking straight away that this is because of the situation that this country was placed in rather than looking around it and going, look at these backward, stupid people. Because, like... It would be very, very easy to go into Cambodia blind, not knowing any of its history, and just it would be really easy to look around and just go, "These people are backwards and stupid," and that's yeah. completely wrong. Like, it, 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 what you see there is uh, the result of what happens in a country that's you know war torn, uh, and where all of the intelligentsia and anyone with I mean, like everyone down to primary school teachers was executed because they didn't want anyone who could you know, come up with uh, arguments against the regime that had taken power. So, yeah. like, how how do you really make that message sink in um, without seeing some of the brutal stuff? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, like you, you, when you get to um, you know, like the killing fields. Uh, Memorial outside of uh, Phnom Penh, and like there's one particular spot. Uh, there's this one tree because, like, it was mass murder at, at these places, mm. but done by a regime that didn't have a lot of resources. So it's not like they were putting people in front of firing squads. They were using yeah. farm implements and it's pretty brutal. Yeah, to the point where there's a tree there where any kids that were small enough, they would basically just grab them by the feet and just whack their heads against the tree. Yeah. And standing on that ground for me was harrowing. Yeah. And I don't think that my sweet, innocent little daughter could cope with that emotionally. Copy that. But I also still want her to understand... I mean, is it wrong to sort of want to show your kids the brutality of the world and let them know that, like, you actually do need to be aware of what's going on around you because it, 
like while while we want to live in a world where we think that everyone is everyone's intentions are good and, and that the default setting is that people uh, are kind and and hoping for the best and thoughtful like that's not always the case and sometimes you just have to keep your eyes out when weird things start happening so that like you can fight against it before you know the horrible things happen You've know. come to the wrong place, Dave, if, if you're hoping for me to say, yes, you shouldn't do that. Um, I think, look, the benefit to you is that, A, you're thinking about it. B, it's a way off. So you and Rach have time to prepare, Cal, to talk about that at the very least. Yeah. So that it can be an engaged thing, even if it's not... Look, I think I'll take Rupert, but not Callie, to mm, this. Yeah. Um, to the point where it could almost get to the point where, hey... Tomorrow we're going to do this, and I want to give you the choice. It's pretty brutal. The reality of this is very, very sincere. Do you want to be engaged in this, or do you, are you happy to know about it and just not go there? Well, that's the thing. Like, even Rach, I'm not sure that whether she's going to visit them either, because she yeah. uh, already has gone to the point of going, oh, I don't know that I can see that. Like, yeah. Um, because you got this is the other thing too. You guys aren't going to go and get selfies in front of the tree, right? No, that's not God, what this is God about. no, God but like, no. But you compare, like it, it's you guys are taking a very reasoned and thoughtful process to it. That because of the gravity and the weight of it for you means that you're considering how your family and, and certainly your kids uh, would be impacted by. It. You know, and, you're not American tourists turning up and going here, Dale, stand here. No, and and. I mean, not just um, the Killing Fields, but um, uh, S21, uh, which was a high school that got converted into uh, a prison and like and a torture centre. Now, just going there and seeing you know, the the barbed wire and the and the, yep. the cells and like all this sort of stuff's you know, pretty bad. But then you walk into one of these rooms and. One of the things that actually happened there was, like, the Cambodians, like many other bloody uh, post-colonial places, were big on bureaucracy. So they photographed everyone that they brought into this prison. And so there are photographs of all these people up on... on um, in these big displays in in one of the, the, the rooms there. And, you know, you start out with the bulk of them seeing, you know, guys probably in their, you know, 20s and 30s. And then, you know, that's pretty shocking. But then as you go along, you start to see more and more women in the mix mm. and then more and more elderly people and then more and more children because one of the things that the Khmer Rouge did was if they found someone who they thought was, you know, an, an enemy of the regime, they wouldn't just disappear that person they would disappear their entire immediate family sometimes even more sometimes even their friends and other associates because they thought the contagion of of thought against the the regime was uh so dangerous that you needed to stomp it all out so you're walking through this thing seeing photos of you know of these kids and and you know entire families and you know that basically Every photo there is of someone who ended up on a truck late one night. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they weren't tortured at the prison, eventually they were put on a truck, sent out uh, to the killing fields, and that was it. That was the end of their life. And... Uh, how do you share... Like, 
how do you share that without burdening someone? Like, mm-hmm. like it's just yeah. I and yet an it's reality. Oh, like, it's... And, and yet it is exactly and, and, what. And it explains yeah. everything that you see around you, like as, as well. You sort of you when when you see uh, the place falling to pieces, and you see uh, like the the. Uh, the fact that the infrastructure is crumbling and you see uh, the way that people are trying to make a living and and how desperate it is. Yeah. And the answer, why is this like this? It's like because, well, well firstly, we had the uh, attempted genocide from yeah. this country's own government at that stage. Then we had uh, almost two decades of indifference from the West... Um, and then since then we've had a, a fairly corrupt single party running the, the, the country often enriching themselves more than mm. looking after the people that's how you get here you know and, and ugh. we live in such a sanitised society I mean Australia is an inc- for all of our acrimony and frustrations with government and all of the rest of it we live in a very safe place we live in a, a life that is miles away from we live to experience that we live in a in a world where our daily newspapers are championing the cause of multi-millionaire retirees who might not get a cash handout anymore oh. credits gosh oh. yeah so that's where we're at so i think it's completely reasonable to talk about this stuff certainly in preparation even if like I said even if it's not a case of you know you don't need to come yeah however I want you to understand that the history of some of the places around here are quite brutal and this is why Mm. and you don't have to get into detail or or, you know Cal may ask or whatever but you're right it might be a case of Rachel's like see you boys have a great day Mm. Um, I think that it's important just the same as we get around our country here you know there are enough Creeks and waterholes and all sorts of things that are named diabolically for what they were in relation to our Indigenous people. We should not and cannot hide our kids from that. No, well, and like when we went on, uh, well, after we saw you, oh no, sorry, on the way up to see you last year, we stopped off at Mile Creek, mm. um, which isn't too far away from from home in, in Varel, and um, they actually have a, a really um, wonderful uh, memorial there to the people who were massacred at Mile Creek, and, and it, you know, it tells the story of the community and 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 what happened. Um, and yeah, like we 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 stopped off there and took the kids through it. And I I guess I should use that as a marker because that did actually quite uh, strongly affect them. So, and that's not even remotely on the scale of. Um, in terms of what you see um, compared to, say, going to the killing fields and seeing a tower of skulls that have been brutally destroyed. So, yeah, I think I might have answered my own question there, Steve. (laughs) Thank you. So you guys are going to Cambodia this year. Yeah, yeah. Do we now leave... Does Rachel listen to this? (laughs) No. Okay. I know that Michelle does. She was at me. When are we doing the next one? Um do we now leave it to have discussions with our partners to work out what should we should do or should we set an agenda in place, i.e., should it be Reef versus Pacific? 
Well, okay. Look, I, I think that that's the big question. Because if it's going to be Reef, we're going to need time on our hands. So, yeah. Which would sort of pretty much put us at uh, 2019 slash 20. Yeah, it's summer holidays. So, so we either we're planning for that, or if we wanted to do Reef, we could maybe do it some other time in 2019. Although, I guess it's probably going to be second half anyway. Look, any, yeah. any of it is going to be in second half, and there's probably going to be a week to eight, nine days, mm. which is going to take up, you know, the best part of the two weeks of any school holiday. Yep, yep. All right. I, th- I think we need to brainstorm further where we, where we want to go. I think so. And we also have the benefit that because it'll be a booking for eight people, <laughs> we're basically talking about almost a group booking. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, and I'm ready to nail down, nail actually, down some tra- poor little travel agent, unsuspecting. Uh, when well, I turn up and go right, well, well, we could because we because we could actually be booking sort of four like four rooms, like two twins mm. and two doubles. Yep. Instead of trying to do the family room shtick, guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that gives us a bit of flexibility, doesn't it? Lots and lots. Uh, I, I shudder to think what the bond will be like on the room that the boys are sharing, but anyway. <laughs> but surely, Dave, won't it be that you'll be sleeping with Rupert in one room and I'll be the sleeping sure. other, and so on and so forth. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Oh, dear. All right, let, let's, put, let's put that out there on the, on the we sh- let's make that happen list. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see what the uh, the lovely wives have to say about it. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, I need to go back and and do more. We didn't even get we didn't even start talking about my job, which is good because there's <laughs> so much on, on Stephen. I think we need to start with that next time, and I'm just going to sit back and listen. It's and it's so boring. It's so boring. It's just I'm bit. It's really boring listening to me complain about having to actually put a full forty hours a week in. <laughs> Like a like normal people do, in you know, uh, but just the the breadth of the weird stuff that I that I've now found as part of my job is just so. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go and do it. Thank Farewell. you, thank you for 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 calling me. It has been. Uh, we always say that it's too long between calls, but we're very very bad at making it happen any sooner. Let's let's try and fix that. Yes, I agree. Alrighty, I love Thanks, you. Mate. I love you, Steve Malk. I love you too, Dave. Bye.